Hello, he is Heston Blumenthal. Hello. One of the most creative and forward-thinking chefs on the planet. Welcome to Pod and Chips. I'm inviting you to climb into my brain and have a great laugh. My name is Jay Taylor. I've been working with Heston for over 10 years as his TV producer, cracking his head open and getting out all the amazing things hidden in there. And that's what this podcast is all about. The idea is we're going to spend repeated attempts to dive into your brain and find out all the amazing things. We're going to try and bring some level of sanity to some of the thoughts. I get a bit murky in there. You might need to put some uh, fog lights on and (laughs) we're going to be talking about many big subjects, but all held together with the wonderful world that is uniquely human. And that's cooking and eating. On this week's adventure, we'll be sharing a Christmas feast, Heston style. Getting a sneak peek into Heston's festive memories and learning all the secrets behind his supermarket creations. Chapter 1. Christmas, Heston style. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Happy Christmas. Welcome to Pod and Chips. Yep, thank you. Uh, I remember there's so many things what you do that that remind me of the amount of time we've spent together. And one of them is just hearing sleigh bells ring. Sleigh bells ring. And us going to Siberia. Yes. And I went to milk a reindeer because you can't cook Santa's little friend, which is basically a, 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 a venison or a deer. So we went to Siberia to milk a reindeer and see some shaman on the reindeer festival. It's random. Some of the things we do for TV. Oh my God. And then minus 40 degrees, my nostrils froze, my eyelids froze together. And I thought I was hard. I had a leather jacket and a t-shirt. <laughs> oh my God, that is levels of coldness. I never knew. And I remember you and I filming and we got all this way to these reindeer on a reindeer farm, mm. hours away from the Siberian, whatever, Yakutsk it was. Oh, we had to fly to Moscow, fly to Siberia. Oh my God. And then I tried to milk a reindeer. This was to and make this was to make were frozen. Do you remember we had a bowl? I didn't even get a drip of milk. This was to make reindeer ice cream for a Christmas special. Yes. We went all the way to Siberia only to find the reindeers weren't producing milk, which no. we did think our Russian fixer should have probably mentioned to us yeah. earlier. And it's not surprising. We had to import when reindeer it's milk. Minus forty. Your camera froze. I we got we, we got picked up at two o'clock in the morning from the aeroplane. Uh, the van that took the luggage from the aeroplane reversed up to the baggage holes <laughs> in the terminal and attached its Back. anterior, I don't know what you call it, and put the carousel on. And then there were just women just standing, jumping on top of the carousel, getting what they thought were their suitcases. And if it wasn't them, they'd just throw them off. It was such a non-Christmassy experience, wasn't it? Oh, my God. And then we got in the car with a guy with this Adidas light blue tracksuit who was the head of tourism for uh, Yakutsk 
and his son, who was like 12 or something, this guy must have been 60. And he was, also, he was also the reindeer expert for the region, uh, the but, tourist official. <laughs> I think he was a politician as well. I think they multitask in Siberia. And at two in the morning, he oh. took us on a tour. Do you remember? <laughs> the windows were frozen on the inside. And he showed, I remember him driving around a roundabout with a statue on it. I don't even know what that statue was. Do you no, remember? I couldn't all, see I out couldn't the window. See we were so tired as well. I we just wanted some reindeer milk. Oh my God. And then I remember in, after we drove four hours to this reindeer farm, I remember in the morning uh, doing a bit of training with his son. Because I'm not saying I'm any good, but I spent 20 years kickboxing. And I put the gloves on, remember? Yeah, I was in bed at this point. Uh, it was a wash on, wipe off. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> then I needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> now, this is so This lived, is minus 10 or something, no, And we it? lived in a shed. Yes. Yeah. So I had to go up a tree, which I've <laughs> never done in my life. To go to the loo? Yeah. I didn't want to know. See, these things, I think, are the things that people... I don't mean seeing me doing that. But these things are the things that people would like to see on in the, in the TV, TV show. The stuff behind the scenes. And we've done, imagine when, remember we did the, we did the I don't know, giant ice cream and we did all of oh. these big things. And, and actually, at the end of the day, you know, we worked so hard to make these things work. And make them taste nice to the people on camera right? mm. to give them give them value. And somehow it might have meant working around the clock, but we worked our socks off and everything worked out nice again. Yes. And there was a moment when I thought, oh, I wish this giant ice cream cone just fell over and broke. Yes, we because at least somebody could see. Yeah, how everyone, hard this was. Everyone always says, it wouldn't be great if something goes wrong. And you're like, yeah, not, well, maybe up to a point. Yeah, but, but the, you don't but, want everything but, but, to go no, wrong. But the channel wouldn't want that. I remember, now you can put this in the podcast, <laughs> guys, or not. Well, I never work again. But I would like to think you should do. I saw an historic recipe about plucking a chicken alive. Oh, yes, you did. And then putting its head under its belly and rocking it to sleep. This was when we were taking historical recipes and trying to oh redo them, wasn't it? Yeah, from the 12th century or 13th century. And this was the first recipe that, that shocked me, but it was a historic recipe. I mean, I, and I think I found out that it never existed. It was just, it was like fairy tale stuff. Anyway, uh, you pluck this chicken alive and you baste its skin with saffron, wheat germ, uh, but there's one other thing and the skin goes kind of orangey and somehow according to the recipe looks like it's roasted then you put it on the serving platter You've, oh no then you put its head under its tummy I don't remember this go on and rock it to sleep after you can you've rock cooked chicken. it no 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 no, no. pre-cooking no the chicken has just been plucked alive oh wow oh god they're horrible weren't yeah. they right uh, and then you put it on a serving platter with two roasted chickens so you imagine your lord <laughs> and master is in his vaulted ceiling with his 30 meter table and his court jester 
and a roaring fireplace and you bring these two roasted chickens out with one that's been plucked alive, put its head under its belly and rocked to sleep. So as soon as you pick your fork up to go and get some? The idea is, yeah, you start carving a roasted chicken and this poor bird <laughs> go, um, no, bad chicken noise, but... and the recipe said it runs down the table upsetting goblets and whatnot (laughs) did it how do you remember these things Uh, because i I failed all my exams at school so my head was just my my was free space yeah yeah exactly i remember you do remember i think you do remember (laughs) one we did with shepherd's pie Oh, the one where we had, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And somebody either from the production company or the channel, I don't know who, I'm not pointing fingers. <laughs> Probably me. But we should actually say that. Said they wanted shepherd's pie, but I want them made with real shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> the things what? we do for TV, honestly. It's well, the Christmases, the Christmases we've spent together, and here we are. Now, this I have to say, of all the Christmases we've spent together in very yeah. strange places, this is about as delightful as it gets. We are once again in your Provence house in front of the roaring fire. But mm. as I look into the garden, the big olive that's an olive tree, right? Yes, yeah. a big olive tree is no longer an olive tree, it's when been it, transformed it, into Cesar and I. And we're not finished yet, there was a storm last night, so it's a big standalone olive tree. With about 50 to 60 metres of grass around it. And it's facing mountains and evergreens and other trees and beautiful lush grass. Uh, and uh, it was quite tall. So we put lights on there. I tried throwing tinsel on there. Didn't work. So we reorganised it. We've got a lot of baubles. They're really massive baubles as well, aren't they? Yeah, you get closer, they get bigger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did a great job on them. This is before the thunderstorm last night, which really rocked this whole building. Yeah, I must say there's a lot of baubles on the floor now around it, which sort of adds to the look a bit. No, so we haven't finished yet. And, um, <laughs> and uh, the light's on there, so I've never had... An olive Christmas tree. Have you? No, I've never. Wait, wait, I've got to do the. Wait, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you can't see the tree, though. If you see the tree. It's really Christmas, even though it's an olive Christmas tree. Yeah. Did you, at home, when you were a kid, did you have real Christmas trees or did you have the fake ones? Uh, always real. Did you? We've always had fake. Have you? I, t- I don't trust it's real the smell. Ones. Yeah. Why don't you trust them? Because they make they, they make flakes on the floor. Oh, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I don't, Why don't, know. don't you trust them? I don't know. I've just always been habitualised into the fake tree. <laughs> I, just, I like to trust the... F- no, hang on. I don't. What do you trust? <laughs> it's always the same shape. Christmas tree. No, you don't have to put them in a bucket. You don't have to balance the tree with screws. The most satisfying thing is the unfolding of the branches. Because we've still got one now. You take them out the loft and you have to unbend the wire branches and I don't make know them I've extra- never had a fake You've tree you've never had a fake tree in your life apart from a little mini one somebody bought me once for Christmas which went on the table it supplemented my tree wow that sounds like a metaphor but it supplemented my tree you had a you had a, you had a secondary tree yeah and those pine needles for me the Christmas tree is about smell well that's lovely because it wasn't it for me smells. obviously and I then have to run away when my mum <laughs> completely moaned about having to hoover up all of the needles. So maybe you can put a 
bin liner <laughs> or something around the bottom of the tree. So therefore, you don't have to hoover it up. But that's like they're saying, that's like, when I, there's something about working for rewards. When I cooked, that sounds a bit dodgy, when I cooked, when I cook. So I spent my 120 hours a week cooking. And I thought, God, at the end of the night, I spent two hours cleaning up. Scraping the oven, cleaning everything, cleaning, wrapping things, just putting things back into. You chefs clean like I've never seen. It's I, incredible. I clean like there's no tomorrow. Anyway, I don't now, by the way, um, but I did for years, and I thought it would be a really good idea to wrap the kitchen in clean film. What, so it couldn't get dirty again? <laughs> did you do that? No, I didn't, never did it. But I thought, so in the end of the evening, you just bet the clean film up. That's quite a clever idea. Why would that I not work? scoop it all up. Well, I um, uh, probably lots of reasons, but I was really pleased with myself and the thoughts. So your idea with the Christmas tree was to wrap the lounge in Just wrap the film. whole kitchen. <laughs> just wrap it. So therefore, you don't have to clean the walls. <laughs> <laughs> What's your... Now, I, for, Christmas, for Christmas lunch, yeah. you're a goose man, aren't you? Am I right with that? Uh, we've, we've, we've cooked geese for Christmas lunches before, so I believe that you're... I have it. been a goose man. I'm, I would say that a goose man and... Um, and... A leg of pyramid... This is, sounds really anal, so I <laughs> apologise to anybody here who's saying this. I think the reputation's out, I wouldn't worry about it. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. I'm always done as I said. A leg of Pyrenean baby lamb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that is pretty high on the chart. <laughs> that's, that's like, I can't wear cashmere. It's yeah. a third world problem. That's very high. But I'm a chef, so yeah. truffles have been involved and so have the big thing for me ended up being... Um, uh, chicken from the Brest region of France, which is only produced for one year, and it's a castrated chicken, but they're done in their sleep. Only done for one year or for one? Uh, when I said they're done in their sleep, I don't know. I just made oh, that, I just <laughs> try to justify myself. Um, but they're done for Christmas. Oh, one month. They're about a hundred and fifty pound trade price. I haven't done this for well, a few about years. Hundred fifty pounds for a chicken. Yeah, one chicken. What do they do to it again? What well, do they, they cut its testicles off. Why would it? Okay, why would they do that? And then it plumps up. Goodness. But the bacon that we eat in the supermarkets and the chickens that we eat in our ready meals have had much more done to them than that. Oh, no, I wasn't questioning the morality. I was more curious why it costs so much money. I suppose it's because it's been particularly well, well looked after. you... And then it gets wrapped in muslin. Imagine if I said, right to you. Why does it get wrapped in muslin? Jay, I'm going to give you a chicken, right? Yeah. And right. you've got to house it. Okay. No, yeah. I now, 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 <laughs> now things okay. are changing. You've got to house it. Yeah. You've got to feed it every day. Yeah, okay. It's a free range chicken. It's a big house. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> it will lay some eggs sometime yeah yeah and then at some point if it doesn't get eaten by a fox and it stopped laying its eggs you sh need to kill it mm. and eat it now how much is that chicken worth that's a, that's a suddenly 150 pounds doesn't seem 
That seems very reasonable, you know. That chicken becomes worth much more. I just want to take a few minutes out here to mention uh, our sponsor for the show, who's helping make this happen, The Economist. Now, they've been, if you didn't know, Heston, they've been delivering trustworthy intelligence for 170 years. But the th- I knew that. I thought it was 173 years. <laughs> the thing I didn't know was I always think about them doing money and, and uh, things like that. But yeah. actually, they've got loads of food stories in them. And well, I- the economy... Actually, I have to say, I have to say, every time I read The Economist, I'm surprised by the cultural element of it. I've plucked a story from it as well, which I thought I'd mention too, because I know you like these. Oh. It turns out the amount of hours we spend uh, eating together as families has stayed consistent over the years. And actually, we eat together as a family nowadays just as much as we used to do in the 1980s. Now, The Economist is your smart guide to the forces changing our world, and you can get yourself a free copy to try and find stories like this. For your free print copy of The Economist, just text CHIPS to 78070. For your free copy, just text CHIPS, that's C-H-I-P-S, to 78070. Right, back on with the show. Chapter 2, A Christmas Feast, made by Heston, that everyone can enjoy. It feels a bit like Christmas here because we are unboxing. We've got lots of boxes here, which you can hear. You can hear hear my mouth. This might be a regular moment on our podcast. When you eat something. you, You guys can hear my mouth munching food which a lot of people don't like to hear so i've just put some food in my mouth and it's made a kind of scrunching squelchy noise and what i put in my mouth was like um a kind of stolen brown bread mince pie which well, the difference is these are your stolen so this i've got in front of us no your range of Christmas stuff. Now, the great thing about this is, obviously, when I come to your place, you're always testing and trying your stuff. And I can join in. And this is brilliant, because we have a Christmas feast in front of us. There's sweets, there's... Is that mince pie? They're mince pies. That's another mince pie. So I just just bit into one mince pie, which had like a crumble on top of it, which was sort of spicy and had brown bready stuff. There's another mince pie which has a white crumble and... Right, let's try this. I'll do the noise so we can eat it. Uh, maybe this will help with this. Santa's little and rainbow. Oh. Oh, that's it. I'm sniffing, by the way, guys, if you can hear. What is it? What is this? It's amazing. This is like a gingerbread mince pie. Mm. So it's a, a mince pie, but mm. it's got gingerbread on the bottom with and crumble like on the top. Like a crumble on the top. Tell me the thinking behind that, because that's oh. awesome. Christmas pudding and mince pies. Now, I <laughs> you just, asked, just, of course, two great things. Yeah, smash them together. When you look at historical food, things that were spices that would last for a long time were used. So cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and worth a lot of money. Those but sugar, they were worth yeah spices. Um, what happened is the dried fruit that was inside them would survive, would last. Not the same as making a fresh apple juice, for example. I can take those spices you just said in there as well. I really got... You got them? Yeah, really strong. And clove. You got clove? Yeah, and you don't get those normally from, from mince pies, no, do you? You don't, you don't, but it's very, very historical because people 
when they had no money, they had to find other ways of preserving the food that they might have liked to eat and at the same time uh, developing the ability of liking to eat the food they preserved. That's fantastic. So this, the, so your mince pie here, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called. What's it called? It's called a, where is the box here? It's uh, spiced mince pies with a lemon twist. Mm. Oh, and uh, the great thing about them is they do yeah. taste really people, history. People love, same with Channel 4, people love giving me a twist. <laughs> and I've got no with hair. The, <laughs> What's it with the twist? He's always have a twist. What does that mean? It's a twist. Yeah. And what are these? These these are, um, they look like little, little is, cakes. Yeah. This is Stollen, which is a sort of Bavarian, German, Austrian type cake. I never had Stollen before. Uh, which also has the same dried fruit. Oh, that's lovely, that is. And? When you're eating that, what do you get from that? It's the same spices, but this time, this one, all what I get from this is it needs to be put in the, it's, it's beautiful. It needs to be put in the oven for 30 seconds minimum. That's what I get from it. I'm never happy. Now talk to me about this, because this is the thing I've always wondered about, your supermarket stuff. Yeah. Because I've seen you at work. I know what the fat duck's like, and I know your level of attention to detail. This is obviously not the fat duck, but one of the big disconnects... Oh, it's Father Christmas. <laughs> it's Father Heston. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Heston's coming down the chimney. How do you, how do you make products... For a supermarket, which someone's going to make in their own home <coughs> without any yeah. control from you, yeah. to your standard. Talk, talk me through how it actually works, because I have no idea how you get stuff on the shelves. Um, well, so no, well, when I got approached, and we're talking about seven to nine years ago, I can't remember exactly. So please, anyone listening, forgive my dates. Um, and the process is, let's say, what what are we just eating? A, a, a mince a, pie a mince and pie. a stolen. Let's say a mince pie. Okay. So what happens is I have an idea for a mince pie. Waitrose and their residential chefs. That they've got a good, they've got a good bunch. They're good. They're 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 really, um, they're really frigging good. But they will then come and present me something that either I asked them to do, I gave them the recipe for, or they decided to do for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be in the lab. So imagine this: standing around the table. There's three waitresses, chefs, for example, and my guys. And then I taste the food, but I have the recipe in front of me, and I think this is taking too long to cook. It's too hot. There's starch in it. Uh, it's amazing. I'll I'll just look at all of these things, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I send the dish back. Normally, I've never ever approved anything once, and. Waitrose, the poor bastards. <laughs> they have been amazing. So what happens is, I think the one that was the greatest, the chicken liver parfait. I tasted it and I said, you can't give me service. So we probably did 10 times you or 12 times. Taste again, taste again. Over like two months, taste again, taste again. And then once I improve or I approved that dish, there okay, good. Now we send it to our supplier. 
Oh, okay. Because now it has to be made in a big stock pot. Whereas before, it's made by a chef in a saucepan. Of, of course. Uh, yeah, you have to scale. Yeah, no, make it in a stock pot. Make it on industrial scale. And then start the same process again. Is there, have you, do you notice when that happens? Do you notice a massive difference between the, the chef-made one and the stock pot one? Less and less now, but I did. I did. That chicken liver parfait was probably 10 times a dozen to 14 times. So the first 10 times was the, the chefs and the second was the factory. And I've sent my chef, I'm, I'm a nightmare. <laughs> I sent my chefs to go and look at the whole factory process. So I can tell you, I can't tell you exactly. And we've got some new sweets here because I'm, yeah, I've been doing this for years. However, for the first seven, eight years, I can tell you every single step of the way. Never have I, uh, will I put my food on something, my name on something. And is it quite nice imagining now that your food, because I suppose one of the things that does happen is if you come and buy all this stuff, and, and this is this Christmas is the perfect time to buy your stuff as well. Um, I'm making another oh, what have you got there? funny wrappery sweetie thing. So I don't now know this, this for is. me is the Quality Street moment. These look a bit like Quality Street, but what are they? This looks to me like a crystallised piece of citrus fruit. But I don't know. Go on, have it. Tell me what it's like. Oh. No, it's not. Well, it is. But it's one of those... Um, oh! Yeah. It's full of booze. It's full of booze. It's full of booze. Oh, Christmas is better full of booze. Oh. I'm going to give it another one of those. That Yola was lovely. Ho, ho. Oh, so you're the same as me. I don't ever read what's in chocolates. No. But, but are they but all the, full of booze? <clears throat> they're full of for me, one of the... Have a gold oh, one. Safe. Have, have a pint of gold one. Oops, sorry. Oh, my God. I don't... Need, okay. All this right. looks like a tiny Death Star, this one. Let's do this. Oh, that's Christmas, isn't it? Okay. It's spherical. It's in a gold wrapper. It's milk chocolate. And, in fact, this might be the first Waitrose product that I can't remember what I developed. It will come back when you put it in your uh, mouth. Okay. It's milk chocolate. And it's a sphere. And I'm going to put it in my mouth. For the sake of everybody at Waitrose, I really hope he likes it. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Quite close to Christmas for it to be sent back now. It's too much of it. Um, excuse my eating, please. Um, oh. Oh. It's good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I haven't yet got the answer for that, but it's good, and it's not that alcoholic. No, that's an, that's an espresso martini. Okay, so, this so Jay's just given me a silver wrap sweet, which looks really cool. It's a sh- it says it's a like sherbet gin. Now, that's so you, that oh is. Well, okay, hang on. I'm, I'm doing fun. this. I'm listening to it now. This feels really adult, so it smells like your dad's, you know, it's your liquor milk, chocolate. It's, what, it's milk chocolate. It's the same sphere as the one I had earlier, but a sherbet. Have you got the same thing? Mm, I got something. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sherbet. Do you like gin? Yeah, and sherbet. And sherbet. Okay. Let's go. Oh, that's unexpected, isn't it? Mm. It's sort of gin and sherbet and sherbet and gin. You know. Is that the fan. 
okay, so this is super weird. What you might have heard yes. then was something crashing out. So I'm afraid our camera, which we're yeah. doing all the recording of the sound on, has completely shorted out. We don't have any power on that. So this is now, Nothing. our Christmas feast is now on a, on a mobile phone. I'm learning a new thing myself. So we're, we're going to have to do okay. this on a telephone. So where were we? We were going to have to eat a Christmas pudding. It was purely the magic of Christmas that has completely broken everything. So the Christmas pudding I did for Waitrose, which was the single biggest product ever in a supermarket that had the effect on other people. And uh, at the end of the day, I think I got three grand for it, two and a half. It sold loads. It got so much page coverage. That's it. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. However, I've now got, because I didn't like Christmas pudding, so I've got something I wanted to call the not-so-Christmas pudding because (laughs) it has no dried fruits in it, and I like (laughs) apples. So it's actually called the Golden Delicious Christmas pudding. Now I'm taking... Oh, my goodness me. I just took the lid off. I had no idea. So we took the lid off, and it's gold. It's a... It's covered in gold. It's covered in gold. It's a golden pudding. The whole surface of this round pudding is gold leaf. It's gold. But there's no dried fruit in it. Can I cut, can I cut it open? Do whatever you want. This, never, is, the most, this is the most decadent-looking Christmas thing I think I've ever before. seen. Oh, come on, I look l- at that. I love this. Ah. This is pure decadence. Hmm? Again, guys, sorry, you have to hear my munching voices. Well, now the microphone's broken, they probably can't hear anything. <laughs> well, for you, there will be. <laughs> How... Oh, look at this. I'm a, I'm a recent Christmas pudding convert, you see. I wasn't... But there's no... This is apple. Oh. That tastes like apple... Um, stewed apples, That's, crumble. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that with some vanilla ice cream or custard. Um... It's, um, what do you get when you eat that? What, do, what comes to you when you when you're what comes to you when you're eating that? My childhood. Tell me. I just did. <laughs> Which, <laughs> um, um, the spicing um, and the softness of the fruit and the sponge and stuff. It's kind of it gives me the feeling of Christmas pudding, but without having the traditional. Christmas pudding, and it's covered in gold leaf. So I think, well, you, you can't smell it where you are, but there's this, the gentle waft of pine coming from the foil. There's generally a gentle waft of fire. Grab yourself one of these bells that makes that beautiful Christmas noise. And I think just get anything you can covered in gold leaf and it, for the ultimate Christmas experience. Oh, put some cinnamon and spices... You don't have to... The, the problem with dried fruit, for me, is that dried fruit and preserved barley becomes very tough. Because it has to be. Tough stuff lasts for longer. So this Christmas pudding, and this is not an advertisement for a new Christmas pudding, because this happened, I did this three years ago. It's not an advertisement for it. But when you put something like apple in it, it then becomes something different. We don't 
need totally dried fermented stuff with nuts that just last forever. We can have that, but we can also have some fresh stuff in our food. Um, and this is something that I'm uh, quite proud about. I think it's wonderful. As far as Christmas feasts go, this has been delightful. I'm feeling super Christmassy because we are surrounded by all this amazing food. I'm quite stuffed now as well because I've eaten far too many of those chocolates. Too. I've eaten, well, you think you've eaten the chocolates. I've eaten half a flipping packet <laughs> <laughs> and half of an apple Christmas pudding. <laughs> Uh, raisins, dried fruit. I am reckon I might go to sleep tonight with a very big belly, and I might burp. <laughs> and on that, we'd like to say Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for listening, being a part of Pod Chips. Um, and we're just going to wish you a very Merry Christmas, and we'll we'll speak to you again in the new year. Happy Christmas, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to my nonsense, my eating, my belching my squidging, my saliva, and my thinking. I really, really value it. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get yours from. And remember, if you like it, please rate, review, and Get in there and subscribe.